Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Central Park Baptist Church. Hey, man. Good afternoon to y'all. We're doing okay? Hey, man. Well, if you're able to join us, we'd like for you to rise as we sing hymn 288, hymn 288, and afterwards we'll have a word of prayer. Hymn 288, hymn 288. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for the, uh, this afternoon. Thank you for your blessings and thank you for your love. Thank you for dying on the cross to save a sinner like me, Lord. I love you very much. Draw us closer to you as we uh, worship you, Lord, tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen and amen. And while we're still uh, standing, everybody ought to know who Jesus is because he lives. Amen. Him 140. Him 140. We serve a risen Savior, amen. Him 140, him 140, we'll do all verses. He lives. I serve a risen Savior, he's in the world today. I know that he is living, men may say. I see his hand of mercy, I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time to meet him. He's always near. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks to me alone life's narrow way. He lives, he lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He 
I see his loving care. And though my heart grow weary, I never will despair. I know that he is leading through all the stormy blast. The day of his appearing will come at last. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian. Lift up your voice and sing. Eternal hallelujah to Jesus Christ the King. The hope of all who see him, the help of all. None other is so loving, so good and kind. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Amen. Welcome to our afternoon service. You may be seated. Welcome to Central Park Baptist Church. We're here. We're glad you're here for the 2 o'clock service. Just one announcement at this time. I'll give more announcements at the end of the service. Just a reminder that there will be a little party for Miss Sherry and my wife after the, uh, after the service uh, this afternoon. It won't be long, but it will be a time of fellowship and some ice cream, I think. I don't know what the ladies are planning, but whatever they plan, that's what we're going to do. Uh, it's good to see you. Glad that you're here. Lyle, let's get ready for our offering. Right after service, I'll, I promise I'll be through with the message by 3.34 o'clock. Amen. Amen. You know, I was in a hurry this morning, but I'm not going to hurry today, okay? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but immediately following service, go back there. The ladies have some uh, neat things planned, and, and uh, I appreciate our, our ladies taking care of that. Well, let's have a good offering, amen? Now, that sounds like a mediocre offering, but let's have a good offering, Amen. Good. Amen. May the Lord bless you as you give. Dear Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Uh, thank you again, Lord, for our folks and God for the ministry of this church. I'm thankful, God, that this ministry has stood for over 60 years, Lord. And it's, uh, uh, God stood uh, steadfast upon the, the word of God, Lord. And, and I pray, God, that you would help us to continue that until, uh, until you come back for us. I pray, God, that you'll help us, Lord, that, to build something, God, that will... Uh, Lord, sustain, Lord, even if, if we're gone, if you don't come back, God, we don't want it to end with us, Lord. We want it to continue on, so I pray that you'd help us, Lord, and uh, Lord, to uh, train, to mentor, and uh, those that come behind us, Lord. And may all who come behind us, as the Course says, find us faithful. Bless this offering, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. If you have an offering, you please come.
Hey, man, if you're able to rise, we'd like for you to join us in singing hymn 323. We're going to do all verses of hymn 323. Oh, what a Savior that he died for me. From condemnation he has made me free. He that believeth on the Son, said he, hath everlasting life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, verily, verily, message ever new. He that believeth on the Son, tis true, hath everlasting life. All my iniquities on him were laid. All my indebtedness by him was paid. All who believe on him, the Lord hath said, hath everlasting life. Amen. A verily, verily. I say unto you, verily, verily, message ever new. He that believeth on the Son, tis true, hath everlasting life. Though poor and needy, I can trust my Lord. Though weak and sinful, I believe his word. Oh, glad message every child of God. Has everlasting life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, verily, verily, message ever new. He that believeth on the Son, tis true, hath everlasting life. Though all unworthy, yet I will not doubt. For him that cometh, he will not cast out. He that believes, oh, the good news shout. Hath everlasting life. Verily, verily, I say unto you. Verily, verily, message ever do. He that believeth on the front is true. Hath everlasting Life. Amen. That's one of my favorite hymns because it's, it's so biblical. It speaks directly from the, the pages of the Word of God. Amen. And verily, verily, we know that we are saved by the wonderful grace of God. Amen. Amen. Hymn 324, hymn tw 324. We're going to do all verses. Hymn 324. After th this, please greet each other as we prepare for our afternoon special, okay? 324, here we go. Oh, wonderful grace of Jesus, greater than all my sin. How shall my tongue describe it? Where shall his praise begin? Taking away my burden, setting my spirit for the wonderful grace of Jesus, reaches me. Oh, wonderful. 
the full, the matchless grace of Jesus, deeper than the mighty rolling sea, higher than the mountain, sparkling like a fountain, all sufficient great for even me, more than the scope of my transgressions, greater far than all my sin and shame. Magnify the precious name of Jesus. Praise His name. A wonderful grace of Jesus, reaching to all the lost. By it I have been pardoned, saved to the uttermost. Chains have been torn asunder, giving me liberty, amen, for the wonderful grace of Jesus, reaches me, oh wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus, deeper than the mighty rolling sea, higher than the mountain, Sparkling like a fountain, all sufficient great for even me. Broader than the scope of my transgression, greater far than all sin and shame. Oh, magnify the precious name of Jesus. Praise His name. A wonderful grace of Reaching the most defiled by his transforming power, making him God's dear child, purchasing peace and heaven for all eternity, all eternity, and the wonderful grace of Jesus. Transgression, greater far than all my sin and shame. Oh, magnify the precious name of Jesus. Praise name. Please greet each other at this time.
Very good. Exodus chapter 1. Men and ladies did a good job. Amen. Choir done a good job too, by the way. You know, one thing that, um, and I'll say this while I'm here, as a ministry grows, so do the needs of that ministry. Amen, Brother White. As a ministry grows, so do the needs of that ministry. And that's a good thing, by the way. I don't want to be stale. Amen. Amen, preacher. Listen, come on. I don't want to be stale. I don't want to be hour four and no more. I would rather have a need. And as a, as a ministry grows, so do the needs. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. And, and one of the things that we worked on here a while back, but we, we've got to fix it again. It's been several years is our sound system. And, and I'm just throwing this in here while we're thinking about it because the, the microphones that we have, those things are probably 15, 20 years old. Yeah, and if you know anything about, even a little bit about technology, technology has changed in the last 15 years. So, uh, and, 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 and don't run off and leave me because I know sometimes if we're not careful, we have to say, oh, no, here we go again. No, it's a, God's got plenty of money. Amen, and God will supply the need. Amen, so, uh, but there's needs, and, and so please pray because those are some of the things that we're, we're, we're working on and uh, along with a lot, a lot of other things. So uh, keep those in your, in your prayer as we do that. Exodus chapter 1, found your place, say amen. amen. We're going to start reading and uh, let's start reading in verse uh, 15 and we'll read the rest of the chapter. It says, And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of the one was Shifra and the name of the other Pua. And he said, when, when ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have you done this thing and have saved the men children alive? And the midwife said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives. Uh, and the people multiplied. Now that's important, these verses. We'll get to those in a minute. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. Father, I pray, God, that you'd bless the reading of your word. Help me, Lord, as, as we come again to uh, the study of Moses and his life. Lord, there's so much here, God, we can apply to our own lives. Lord, so please help us to do that today. Thank you for our folks that are back this afternoon for their faithfulness, Lord. Help us, Lord, always to destroy those Jerichos in our lives. It might hinder us, Lord, from moving forward in our relationship with you. Thanking you, God, and giving you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Verse 17. The king has ordered the midwives to kill all the Jewish male babies. 
But in verse 17, as we come there, notice that we talked a little bit about this last week. It says, but the midwives, they refused. They said, no, we're not going to do that. They didn't do what the king commanded them. <clears throat> and the king found out uh, what was going on. They found, he found out that they weren't doing as he commanded. And, uh, and he found out that things weren't going as he planned. And so in verse 18, he called the midwives in for a meeting. And he asked them, and he said, why have ye done this thing? And Save the men children alive. Well, the midwives, when asked uh, of why they did not do what the king told them, they offered excuses that were not true. In other words, they, yeah, they lied. Um, and the reason why the male babies hadn't been killed, and we'll get to that in a second, is because they didn't want, they just didn't want to. They knew it was wrong, they, and, and because they feared God is what Scripture tells us, and they lied about it. And, and let, I want you to get this. As much as I try to understand what's going on, we need to understand that it is never right to tell a lie. It's never right to be dishonest. You say, well, what about this? Well, just hang on. We're going to get to that. Uh, maybe had the midwives told the truth, maybe it would have influenced the king to stop doing what he was doing had they told the truth. Uh, but we must never, listen, it's never right to do wrong, ever. Uh, and we must never promote lies. We must always promote truth. And we have an obligation before God to tell the truth and to be truthful. You know, I mean, what good does it do us to lie? Absolutely nothing. And by the way, the obligation... Uh, of telling the truth does not stop just because our life is on the line. Right. Yep. Okay, are y'all still? Now it may be difficult, but it, listen, it's always right to tell the truth Amen. and do the right thing. Uh, it takes a lot of spiritual strength to stand true at all times, even when you know the, the devil has turned up the heat. Listen, it takes some uh, spiritual maturity to stand up and do what's right and tell the truth. And all God's people can say, Amen. So the midwives said, no. They said, we're not going to do that. And, uh, but we noticed it. Watch what it said. God favored the midwives. God's always going to reward our service to him. Amen. Okay, always. You say, well, didn't he reward the midwives? Yes, he did reward the midwives. But watch, if, if God were to withhold, think about this. If God were to withhold his blessings until we were perfect, you're getting it, right? If God were to withhold the blessings until we were perfect, guess what? We would never be blessed. Yeah. Amen. When a coach on a football team after the game tells his players, nice game, he is not justifying all their mistakes. Right. Amen. They're going to work on those mistakes. But the compliment still stands. God never condones evil or wrong, but neither does he withhold blessings. I'm talking about due blessings when we serve him and, 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 uh, and are involved in his service. The blessings would have been greater, though, had the midwives told the truth. I can tell y'all are, are still thinking maybe. Look in verse 21. Notice what God said. God, it says God made them houses. That means God gave them families. God blessed the midwives with families. And folks, listen, God values families. Even though we're seeing the family attack today, families are a blessing to society. They bring strength to society. 
Amen. The country. Listen, they, the families bring strength to our country. Amen. They bring strength to this church body. Yes, Amen. And if you haven't noticed, Satan has done and is doing a pretty good job on destroying the family. He has redefined the family. Now, according to man, he didn't redefine the Word of God because God's Word's already been settled in heaven. They got, nobody's going to change that. Uh, and, and Satan has done his, his job, I guess, to redefine the family. He's done a job on, uh, on redefining God's plan and purpose for the family. Satan's done his best to destroy it. And, and, and listen, if there's one institution that needs our prayers today more than just about anything else, it's the family. Listen, we need to pray for families. We need to pray for our church. Uh, listen, the families that make up this body of Christ, we need to pray for one another. Listen, there, there's people here, you that are here this afternoon, you faced things that, this past week that nobody has a clue about. And the best thing that we can do to help one another is to pray for one another. I noticed the other day that there's like 30 names that signed up on this uh, prayer booklet. Listen, be involved in that. Yeah. <clears throat> pray and, and spend some time in prayer, but pray for one another. Amen. Amen. And so God, we see here, he, he's rewarded uh, the family. But notice in verse 22, what I've called the charge of Pharaoh. The king, listen, he, have you ever met someone that is obstinate? Yeah. Oh yeah, man, I have. Well, here he is right here. We're meeting him. The king is obstinate in wanting to kill off Israel. In fact, if one plan fails, guess what he's going to do? He's going to get another one because he's obstinate in it. Listen, and, and notice the plan was, the plan was to drown these babies. Drowning these babies sounded easy to the king. After all, you just pitch them in the water. They can't swim. They can't fend for themselves. They can't fight. They can't do anything. You know, no big deal. It was efficient to him. Hey, think about it. Um, I mean, one commentary says this, and I'll read. He says, Pharaoh uh, did not charge the people to have a burial, to place a headstone. That would have been unpleasant, and there would have been too many reminders. Drowning is just a splash. Yeah. Listen, do you know, we talked about this a little bit last week, abortionists are the same way. They say it's easy, it's quick, no reminders. But God sees the rivers, he sees the back rooms, he sees the hearts. And he says in Numbers 32, 23, be sure your sin will find you out. Listen, uh, I want you to understand, it was, a, it was a terrible plan. It was also a disheartening plan. Uh, no, think about it. It had to be a disheartening thing to the Israelites to hear what the king said. It, it made what would have been a great time of rejoicing normally into a time of sorrow. Can you imagine the king making this decree and and these these women being eight nine months pregnant, about ready to give birth, and they hear what the king commands that if it's a male baby to be thrown into the river. Look at this evil wickedness. It, I mean, it, what a, it's a vile thing. Uh, another commentary said this: the divine gift, newborn child, becomes a trial through the wickedness of man. Sin turns blessing into curses and joy into sorrow. You know, today uh, children are born unwanted. 
they're born unwelcomed, and abortion tries to solve the problem, but only makes it worse. And why does so many have this kind of attitude? Sin. Yeah, that's, I mean, it, it, mankind, and I want to get that mankind cannot live an immoral lifestyle and maintain the delights of childbirth. Can't do it. So what did Pharaoh do? Look in verse 22. He makes a demanding plan. If you look there in verse 22, it says, that, and it came to pass because the midwives feared God that, that he made, or no, excuse me, that's the wrong verse. 22, and Pharaoh charged all the people, saying, I mean, the uh, drowning these Jewish babies became the law in the land. Uh, listen, for everybody, not just for uh, the midwives, but now since the midwives weren't going to do what he said, he said he's just going to make a law that everybody had to do it. Listen, Pharaoh's government was wicked. But the reality is, listen, you get this, our government's the same way. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I mean, uh, it's just more sophisticated. Yeah. Folks, listen, I want you to hear that a nation will either protect righteousness or it will protect evil. Not both. One or the other. Uh, Pharaoh's objective, looking back again in verse 22. Remember, we talked about this. The immediate objective was to stop Israel from multiplying so they wouldn't overcome and overthrow Egypt. Uh, Pharaoh didn't want them to gain enough power to leave Egypt on their own. Uh, he didn't want them to get, you know, to overwhelm Egypt, if you will, and head back to Canaan. And so he comes up with two uh, major objectives. Uh, the first one, I want you to get this, the first one was to stop the work of God. God's promise to Israel was that Israel would go back to Canaan. God made a plan. He said, listen, they, God, they could have been there a whole lot earlier. I mean, it, you know, when you read through and uh, other than 40 years, but uh, at this point, they can go and, and, and receive the promises of God almost immediately once they leave out. And God's promise to them is to have a promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And Satan knows this, listen, but he wants to stop the work of God. And he's going to do anything to stop God's plan, period. Satan's plan is to always oppose the work of God. And by the way, his plan is to always oppose the people that are involved in the work of God. Amen. Amen. Listen, do you understand that uh, the people that aren't involved, guess what? They're not, in, they're not really in the sights or, you know, Satan doesn't really have a target on them. Right. You know why? Because they're not really making an impact on the work of God. But if you're trying to do something or if you're trying to be involved in the work of God and if you're trying to uh, mature and be strengthened in the things of God, I'm telling you, Satan will go to work on you. Yeah. Why? Because his plan is to always oppose the work and the people that are involved in the work of Almighty God. And we need to understand the reality is that every decision that you make, daily decisions that Satan is trying to stop God's plan and purpose in your life. That's why it's so important, listen, before we make any decision in our life, we ought to ask God about it and not say, well, in Jesus' name, I think it's okay. Be careful. If it goes against this, if it, listen, if it goes against the plan of God, I'm telling you, it is not right. right. Amen. No matter how small or insignificant we may think those decisions might be that we make on a daily basis, listen, at that moment, 
the decision that we make will have an impact on God's plan for your life and listen, and the life of others. That's why we need to be careful about making decisions that exclude, uh, listen, talking to God about it. Amen. If you're spiritually, let me say, if you're not spiritually mature, then you're going to fail to see Satan working against you and working against God's plan in your life. That's why it's so important that we be spiritually mature. Paul's told the Corinthians, listen, I can't speak to you as, as, uh, as mature, but he said, i got to talk to you as carnal, as, as babes in Christ. There's a lot of Christians today in churches that are not mature. And they can't recognize when it comes time to, to making a decision in their life, they don't recognize that Satan could be working against them. But Satan is always masterminding the opposition to God's work. This is why Satan does his best to stir up troublemakers in the church. Because the ultimate goal is to stop the work of God. You get something little, a little skirmish started somewhere in the, uh, in, in, in the people of God, guess what? Guess where? Listen, this is why last week, and I mentioned something about people uh, uh, getting up and moving around during church and going out during the invitation. You know why? Because as soon as somebody moves over here, everybody sees it. Yeah, I mean, and immediately the Holy Spirit of God is grieved and no, no longer is our focus uh, on the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God. We're over here going, man, what are they doing? Yeah. Man, don't they need to, well, they, you know, and we're thinking, man, they should have went to the preacher said, they should have went to the restroom during the song service. Well, and guess what? We've missed everything. Yeah. Same thing about disunity. Same thing about discord. There's a little skirmish over here between Malachi and Josiah. They're brothers, you know, and they're always fussing around, and, and they're always, you know, just like siblings. They're always like this, and, and the next thing you know, everybody's, everybody's paying attention to them, and we're no longer paying attention to God. Amen. Now, I can already tell, really, are they fussing? No! They're just, listen, you, but you're, you're catching what I'm throwing. Understand this, and that's what Satan does. Focus is turned away from God's plan to dealing with troublemakers, those opposing the leadership and the unity and the body of Christ. Watch, those who are spiritually undiscerning, watch, never catch on to the real cause. And they usually end up defending the troublemakers and condemning those in leadership. Yeah. You ever tried to, to get a child to understand why they couldn't have something or do something? Well, you know, honey, if, if you don't give that toy back, you know, so-and-so over here, it was really theirs. Their mama gave it to them back when they were little, and, you know, you're still not. You follow me? Yeah. I'm trying to explain something of a mature level to somebody that's two. Right. And they'll never get it. There's a lot of Christians the same way. Listen, they, uh, we, uh, believe me, I've seen it happen in churches where uh, somebody is so dead set on having their way, on getting what they want. That is mine and I want it. You know, we see commercials, that's my money and I want it now. Listen, that's the way, if we're not careful, that's the way we do in the things of God. That's, listen, this is what I want, and this is the way we ought to do it, and, and we're willing to tear up Jake in order to get it. 
we're willing to destroy the unity of the body of Christ. Uh, we, we're not, you know, people aren't worried about how much it destroys or what it does. Uh, listen, because they just don't get it. Only to find out, watch, that all the complaints, fussing, murmuring, threatenings, they're just smoke screens for, for the real goal of stopping the work of God. That's what Satan does. Listen, we, we got to, you know, keep, our, keep our, our discerning, our spiritual discerning on, at a high level. We've got to understand that that's Satan's goal. He uh, said, man, and I sometimes say, man, what's going on? Nothing's going on. Right. It's always good to preach about it when nothing's going on than it is to preach on when something's going on. Yeah, Amen. Amen. Uh, but I'm just letting you know that we've got to, we've got to keep our, our wits about us, spiritual wits. We've got to understand that we need to be discerning about, about Satan and how sly he is and about how deceitful he is. Why? Because he wants to get our focus off of reaching people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our main thing. Satan is, wants to stop the work of God. In fact, sometimes troublemakers even disguise their complaints as concern for the work of God. Well, preacher, you know, I've been praying about this. And I think, man, you're so spiritual. Uh, I mean, but, you know, a lot of times it's just, you know, wolves in sheep's clothing. Yeah. Do you know, I looked this up, and, and this is talking about all churches of all denominations. It said that there's between five and 10,000 churches every year that close. Yep. And my thought, there's no statistics on it, but my thought was how many of those are independent, fundamental Baptist churches? Bunch. Yep, bunch. You know, that's Satan's goal. And I was thinking about this the other day. And listen, this, this church has been going 63 years. Amen. Central Park Baptist Church started out on Josie Lane down in Farmer's Branch years ago. Uh, but 63 years, this church has stood. And, and listen, uh, it's, because, uh, it's because people have, have stood and been steadfast and faithful. And they were willing to pay the sacrifice and, 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 and do what it takes to make a ministry sustainable. Have you ever thought about what happened? Listen, if I go, if God calls us away, what's going to happen to this ministry? I know a lot of churches today that were good, strong churches at one time that are no longer in existence. Emmanuel Baptist Church, Pontiac, Michigan is one of them. Me and my wife, that's where we met not in existence anymore. A Detroit Baptist Temple, not in existence anymore. Had a missions. I, I knew at one time, I knew the pastor, his name is A.V. Henderson, that had a, a missions budget of over a million dollars. Not in existence anymore. Gone. Yep. And, and the list goes on and on. And my fear is that if we're not careful that one day if the Lord doesn't come back, Central Park Baptist Church will not be in existence anymore. You say, well, how do we, how do we, do, how do we fix it, preacher? One, we've got to stand against Satan. And we must do those things that help sustain this work. One of the things that I, I enjoy, I just, 
I, when I'm in my office in the morning, sometimes on Sunday mornings or something like that, I sit in there with the door open. And, and the only reason I do is because some of the young men start coming around. And they're in there laughing. They're in there cutting up. You know, they're, they're running around here doing things. They're turning stuff on. Uh, I mean, they're, and listen, and I think, well, and praise the Lord. Listen, that's life of a church is to see young men that are called of God trying to do something for God. Why? Because the call of God is on them and they want to see a ministry, the cause of Christ, move forward. That's why I don't mind so much seeing our kids running around. Now, I, I do have my places, and we've talked about this. This is one of them up here. I don't like to see kids running around up here playing. It's just something that you say, I'm just picky about that stuff but they they walk around and even in my house my grandkids come around I'm glad they come I want them to come to my house and they get their their sticky fingerprints all over my glass on the doors they put their mouth on them I mean I saw one back here uh, yesterday I can see lip prints on the on the glass on the door and you know what I say about that okay we'll clean it off but you know what Listen, that's what sustains a church. Teaching them and grounding them in the word of Almighty God. But Satan wants to stop the work of God. Let me show you another goal. He wants to stop the Son of God. Yeah. Now behind this attack here in Exodus 1, uh, the the attack on the Jewish race, it it was really Satan's attack on the Son of God. A.W. Pink said this. I like what he said. He said, it is not difficult to peer behind the scenes uh, and behold one who is seeking to use Pharaoh as an instrument with which to accomplish his fiendish design. He said, surely we can discover here an outbreaking of the serpent's enmity against the seed of the woman. Suppose, he asked, this effort had succeeded. What then? Why, the channel through which the promised Redeemer was to come had been destroyed. If all the male children of the Hebrews were destroyed, there had been no David, and if no David, no David's son. You know, you can follow the attack of Satan all through Scripture, and I just jotted some down. Satan tried to corrupt the human race in Noah's time. He tried to eliminate the Jewish race in Egypt. He tried to kill David through Saul to eliminate the line of David. He tried to kill Christ in Bethlehem through Herod's decree. In several instances in the ministry of Christ, Satan tried to kill the Lord before he ever reached the cross. In fact, in Revelation chapter 12, and you can go and read verses 3 through 7, it says it well when it tells of the great red dragon going after the male child born of woman. Yeah. In every age before the Lord was crucified and raised from the dead, Satan tried to destroy him. Yeah. But I've got good news. Every attempt by Satan, um, you know, to try to eliminate the Son of God, they failed. Listen, God, we can get God reigns supreme. Amen. Amen. And his plan will not fail. Can I tell you, it's the same I was talking about this morning. If you allow God's plan in your life, His plan won't fail in your life either. 
just as it did not fail for the Son of Almighty God, His plan will not fail for you either. It'll work. The attack in Egypt did not succeed or it will not. We're going to see that. The Jews will not be eliminated. And the Son of God, He will not be stopped. So the question is, will Satan stop you? The question is, has Satan stopped you? Will you allow Satan to stop God's plan and purpose in your life? Maybe you already have. By making decisions that you ought not make. Say, well, how do I fix it? Stop them and start again. Yeah, just say, Lord, you know, man, uh, you know, if, if, you're, if you go come to a, a, a Y in the road, you know, you're going to get down that, road, that path a long way. There's no way you, you don't cut across this way. Right. You got to come all the way back to where you made that bad choice and say, Lord, here I am. Right. And then you got to go this way. You got to start over. But it all starts between you and God. You've got to make that conscious step. You remember this morning? There has to be a confrontation. Yeah, it's amazing how all that works out. There's got to be a confrontation with the Lord. First, you've got to come to a confrontation with yourself. Then there must be a confrontation with the Lord Jesus Christ. But you're going to have to say, God, whatever you want, that's what I'll do. Uh, When the invitation starts, let me ask you this. Will God be preeminent? in your decision to respond. Pretty simple, pretty simple thought. But Satan will do his best to stop you. The question again is, are you going to let him? I, I, I don't want Satan to stop me to do, doing anything for God. I did that for years. You say, does he still? Oh, yeah. I don't like it. And I come right back. You ever catch yourself doing something? You say, man, I ought to know better than that. Yeah, we do that spiritually too, by the way. But the best way to fix it is come right back face to face with the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry. And then just start all over. Father, help us, Lord. God, I'm thankful that, Lord, that Satan cannot stop you. He can't stop your plan. He did not stop your plan. And Father, he really can't stop your plan in our life if, Lord, we are obedient to walk that path and allow you to have your way in our life. Uh, God, Satan has stopped so many people, so many Christians, Lord, that love you, and so many Christians, God, that have so much to offer. God, he's, he, he's stopped them. Lord, I pray, God, today that if someone here is on the verge of being stopped, Lord, perhaps they've already been stopped, I pray, God, that they'll come and say, Lord, not me. I'm not going to allow Satan to rob me of your plan in my life. God, help them to come. Speak to our hearts this afternoon. And may everything that we do bring honor and glory to your name. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. While we stand and while we sing a blessed invitation.